0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi guys, this is Stefan from the podcast. Just wanted to put in a quick message before you enjoyed this week's show to let you know that we had some technical difficulties uh, in recording this week's show. We've been experimenting with some video software for the YouTube channel and for some bizarre reason it didn't record my audio on my microphone Uh, it recorded it through my phone speaker which is why i sound like i'm talking in a house full of mirrors so i can only apologize for that Uh, and i just wanted to let you guys know that we are working on it so hopefully the audio should be back to normal for the next show and we just like to thank you for sticking with us and enjoy the show cheers
1: Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing. Pressing. Uh, I'm your host Manuel Feit. Here's Stefan Bienkowski, and yeah, you're right. You can actually see us. Um, this is the first audio-video presentation. Of obviously, if you're listening to the normal podcast edition, you won't be able to see us. But some of our, some of you, I guess, will be watching this on YouTube. So yeah, here we are, life and flash. <laughs> I it. yeah, very
0: well, very well. I think it's going to be really interesting doing this in video because we're going to have to like actually pay attention to each other for a change, and not, and not just like answer tweets and emails while while the other one is ranting or something.
1: Uh, we never do that, right? <laughs> 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 the, the worst
0: thing is always when someone starts fighting with me on Twitter and I cannot help but like respond so yeah. when you're answering a question like you could probably literally see me tweeting people while you're talking on the podcast so gonna have to pay attention this stuff.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely uh <laughs> 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 yeah this is going to be maybe awkward at times but um yeah, we we <laughs> we have a lot to discuss. It was an insane match day, Stefan. Uh, Super Sunday. Um, I'm not sure. Do you think it lived up to its billing off the top before we discuss all the other stuff?
0: Um, yeah, I think for the most part it did. I mean, we'll get into it. I thought one. Uh, in fact, I thought two teams were extremely disappointing. But one team were disappointing in a fun way, and one team were disappointing in a boring way. Uh, you know, no no prizes to guess what that is, but um, yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. I think there's a lot to talk about as well, though. So we should probably just jump straight into it, shouldn't
1: we? Yeah, let's do that. This episode of the Gegenpressing podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag, betonline.ag to join and receive your 100 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code Believe, B L E A V. Believe, B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, I guess we'll start with Super Sunday then. Or do you want to start with all the other boring stuff first and make our listeners, watchers, um, (laughs) get there first?
0: Well, yeah, then should we do Barnett? Should we get Barnett away first?
1: Let's do yeah. Let's do Bayern. I mean, let's start with Bayern because like I thought the AGM was actually quite interesting too. Um, if you into if you into numbers, that is, and um, a few of the the numbers. And yes, I am looking at my phone because I am looking at the numbers. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the numbers were were interesting because the numbers were up um, for the first time in three years. I also thought it was really interesting, and and they obviously were quite proud of that, right? Um, so mm-hmm. the turnover this year was 665.7 million euros. Um, a profit of 17.1 million before tax, which is up from five millions from last year. And it's the third year in a row during the pandemic that they have made a profit. And they're the only team other than Real Madrid that managed to get through this pandemic year in Europe, not just in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. but in Europe to get through the pandemic without, um, with like with making money every year. And that's, kind of remarkable i think
0: yeah it's i mean it's, it's Bayern being Bayern, i suppose isn't it they pride themselves yeah. so much on this profit making and you know when you dive into the kind of numbers it makes a lot of sense why they make profits every year because we always get people on twitter saying i always get people on twitter saying to me oh you know what the Bundesliga is so boring why doesn't mm. Bayern just give all the tv money to dormant so it's a level playing field and i have to say look Bayern could give away their TV money every year, and probably wouldn't make any difference. I mean, it would make some difference. Obviously, it's like ten or fifteen percent, maybe, or maybe more than that. But the the kind of main bulk of that money comes from their commercial deals. they so like, I think, I actually think they're the best. I think they have the highest commercial revenue in Europe. Obviously, like when you add it all up together in terms of TV revenue, they don't really. They're, they're still behind. Um, I don't know, like Real Madrid and maybe Manchester United or something, but. Um, that those commercial deals they have those kind of regional powerhouses like Audi, Adidas, mm. Allianz Arena, I guess to the Allianz to an extent, you know and there's, there's obviously some commercial deals there which fans aren't too happy about but yeah that, that's what really powers Bayern Munich every year and that's that's kind of what gets confirmed at these AGMs every year isn't it
1: mm, yeah so the, the you mentioned it it was 221 million euros is the a revenue from uh, marketing and sponsorship. They put it in one pot. Um, yes, there is one deal in particular that is controversial. That's the sponsorship deal of Qatar, which makes up 20 million euros a year. So less than 10% of them. So they could probably do without it, <laughs> to be fair. Um, and I i think they are looking at it. At the end of the day, I think the only way they're getting rid of that deal is they find someone who not necessarily pays more, but a similar amount. Like Let's say like I know Lufthansa is probably not going to be it because Lufthansa has its own problems. But let's say Lufthansa comes in with 15 million euros. They probably jump on that and end the sponsorship yeah. deal with Qatar um, simply because like the 5 million euros wouldn't hurt them or they could be making it up somewhere else. So I think that is controversial and it is being controversially discussed internally. It doesn't help that their former president, Oli Hoeneß, um <laughs> likes to rock the boat and still acts like it's his personal fiefdom. What did he say to Odd? Um he thought the artist, of course, the member who has been very uh, actively outspoken against this Qatar uh, deal and uh, made a presentation. I thought it was good. I think it was um, not aggressive towards the club. Um, he laid open all the necessary talking points about the issues that we have with Qatar and issues that a lot of people have with Qatar. And then only Hoeneß, as he left the Audi Dome, which is the basketball stadium, right? Um went past odd and pointed at him and yelled at him and said, your presentation was an embarrassment. This is football club Bayern Munich and not Amnesty International. <sighs> you can laugh about this stuff, but it's also kind of serious. I mean, <laughs> this is 2022. You can't do this anymore.
0: Yeah. Early Hoardy not exactly Mr. Moral upstanding citizen, <laughs> of course, at Bayern Munich. But he he just kind of plays that role, doesn't he? That's the role. Yeah. He just seems to almost revel it. I remember last year... When, if I'm not mistaken, they had to cancel. They were not even not cancel, but they, they had to walk off the stage. I think. Yeah. And he was in the front row, and the cameras just turned on him, and he just looked absolutely bewildered by the whole thing. He's like, "What is going on here?" Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is maybe quite a good kind of sign of how things are changing at the club. Bayern have always been like the establishment club. They've always been kind of like, you know, my impression of Bayern is always like kind of like old guys smoking cigars behind closed doors sort of thing. You know? Yeah. And, <sighs> And, you know, there's obviously a new generation of fans coming through who aren't happy with that aren't happy with the way things are doing. But that's just football. Like 20 years ago, people were arguing about whether football clubs should promote smoking, whether they should promote, you know, oil companies or whatever yeah. else. And and they're now having that debate about gambling companies as well. I'm sure in 10 years they'll be banned. So it's just the way society moves on. But buying are often dragging their heels until they can ensure that they still make money from another deal.
1: Yeah, I know. That, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. Um... And I think that's ultimately how it's going to play out. I think that Herbert Heiner, the president um, of Bayern Munich, Dresen, uh, the CFO, uh, so the financial officer um, was done, obviously an incredible job he leaves at the end of the season. Um, his, these financial numbers are his baby. Um, um, and Oliver Kahn, I think they are very much in charge now. Obviously, Oli is still on the board. He still makes decisions, but he is not the almighty figure that he once was. And you can't have a club with 295,000 members, which is also the new membership number, and um, not expect some sort of controversy. That's a lot of people that have a voting share, right, um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I thought, too, I mean, in a lot of ways, this AGM was, as you pointed out already, a lot less controversial than it was a year ago. Um, so that's positive. And then I think, you know, this is a good transition to what happened on the field on um, on Sunday, on Super Sunday, I think Bayern Munich went into this Saturday meeting. Um, Yes, they got the job done midweek against Victoria Pilsen. Um, They obviously dropped the two points against Borussia Dortmund um, last Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry. And then um, there was, I think there was a potential there that if this Super Sunday hadn't gone to plan, um, that... You know, this all of this could have turned into a very different direction, and yeah, they got the job done five 0 against Freiburg. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's, yeah, do,
0: you, do you know what? Like, and on the previous show last week, we were talking about predictions, and
1: yeah.
0: I think I predicted like a really narrow win for Bayern. But excuse me, I I remember saying like on paper. Freiburg should cause an upset here they should yeah. take a point from, Do- from Bayern Bayern have been terrible this season Freiburg were actually the best away team in the Blues that to go into this mm-hmm. game but I said there's just something in my gut that makes me say Bayern are going to get over the line and it's just so typical uh, of yeah. Bayern and of Dortmund which we're going to talk about that like, one of them stumbles but one of them finds a way to go over the line it would have been interesting if they'd kind of flipped the scheduling of these games and if Bayern had played first and then Dortmund played second, because I do, I do think sometimes in my experience, Bayern almost kind of once they know Dortmund have tripped up, mm. that just that just seems to really galvanise them. I know players will say, "Well, we don't watch these results come in," but they do, of course, they do. Um, so, but yeah, I was really disappointed in Freiburg in general. I thought they were terrible. um I watched that game, even like the opening twenty minutes. I actually spent the whole game thinking, "Why has Joshua Kimmich got so much space in all the, the park?" It's just something that really stood out to me, yeah. uh, and I think I think it really summed up that game in the way that Freiburg just kind of like they just they just gave Bayern so much respect. They looked they looked so scared. Uh, I thought Matthias Ginter in particular was quite poor for at least one of the people promoting goals. But yeah. the whole team in general were just really quite disappointing. Um, Of course, Christian Strike would probably—I don't know why I just said after the game—but he would probably say, "Look, we're Freiburg, we're not expected to go to the Allianz and uh, these games, you know." But um, yeah, I just thought it was quite disappointing, considering what it was being built up as. And I guess you know, Freiburg will just kind of get on with it. But it means second, and they'll probably take quite a lot of confidence from that game. But my main kind of takeaway from a Bayern point of view is just that they (laughs) had—they just kind of pulled Chopper thing out of stories to blow the dust off him, stick him up front, and they spent a whole week talking, you know, Heiner the president spent a whole week giving interviews saying, We don't need to sign a number nine. We've got all we've got this amazing array of attacking players and, you know, it's a brave new world, you don't need target men anymore. Then Nagelsmann comes along on Sunday and just sticks this old target man up front. And it works wonders. He did a great he did a great job.
1: Yeah, I, so, I, I you almost wonder if Nagelsmann did that on purpose. <laughs> he's just he heard all the comments and was like i'm gonna play chupo on the weekend and see how that goes and as you said it worked out really well i thought chupo Muting had a, had a great game too i think a lot of people expected matisse tell to maybe start there and obviously it didn't um Leroy i thought had a really good game too fitting that he scored um his goal in the same fashion than i mr arian robin who was actually in attendance um so that was that was a nice little touch i thought yeah i i thought they were really good um i thought i was really disappointed by freiburg's performance maybe i should have known better because like they christian streich has never wanted the Allianz arena right that's um, a place mm. that he's he's struggled with and i mean there is certain locations where coaches or certain tactics just don't work um i thought the big problem with Freiburg and I've watched them a bit this year and um, I went to Freiburg to to see them up close as well is that they did not play the way that they usually play it was almost like they didn't trust what made them strong all season long Um, you know they were not compact enough in defense Um, as a setup having Kevin Schada up front sort of a fast target man who can uh, spring Bayern's defense I think was a good idea but they just didn't execute it very well uh, I think no. it, you, you could see them slipping all over the pitch at times and um, that's that's highlights to me that they were maybe also not they were almost nervous and to rise to the occasion in many ways and yeah I, I think you know there's two things at play here one Bayern Munich came up firing because as you pointed out they saw the results elsewhere and then on the other hand freiburg just maybe maybe freiburg the results elsewhere and said oh man we can really open the gap here and they just fell completely short it was almost like they were bumpy on ice <laughs> in some ways um and i i think too, like yeah you, you you can take so much like put so much and say okay well yeah they're slipping and all over that but Those are little tiny details that can make a difference. Um, There was one occasion where I think it was shot, it broke away, and maybe could have made it 1-1 and um, just didn't have the footing. And who knows how this game ends, right? Um, if If he does score there. And then I think the other thing too, this really fell into Bayern's lap as well. Nagelsmann made this huge point a couple of weeks ago that for them it's so important to score score early on. And when they do score early on, they usually walk away with a positive result. Um and they did here. They scored early on and they put this game aside really quickly. Um they never really gave Freiburg an opening to to walk into mm-hmm. this game. And I think, you know, they those 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 are the things that just stood out to me. And as good as Bayern were and they were excellent, Freiburg really gave them Played right into their hands this morning.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great opening. Was it opening goal, I think, the Gnabry header Was that the first goal?
1: That was the Dupu goal, right?
0: Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of the Gnabry goal. I think that was the second one, which was just so impressive as well. I was just going to say, you know, it hasn't been a good weekend for Germany, uh, for German central defenders. Matthijs Ginter had a really poor game. And as we're kind of talking about the Dortmund game, I actually thought... Oh, you, great. sorry.
1: Let me correct that. Gnabry had the first goal. Chupo yeah, had the second. Great, yeah. Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Chupo had a great uh, second goal, but yeah. it was Chupo's second. It was the second goal that I thought Ginter was particularly poor in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, and I mean, I think the only other really thing to pick up on is that obviously Leroy Sane picking up an injury, mm. and he's now out for three
1: weeks. I think they're saying. Yeah. Um, which.
0: I think it's the ligament in, in, in Injury So that'll be interesting To see what happens A real shame for him Because I thought He's actually had A really good start To the season mm-hmm. um, Arguably Dor- uh, Dorman Arguably Bayern's best forward Actually If you kind of Tally up his goals And assists, I know he's had Kind of some inconsistencies Like he always does But on the whole He's maybe contributed More than any other player uh, Except maybe Jamal other. But yep. in general uh, We've seen that kind of, We've seen him Kind of like Blossoming In that kind of Central role. So It'd be a real shame if that injury was to kind of knock knock his stride. Or um, I mean, obviously they say three weeks, but he could take it or two weeks after that to get back to full fitness. So that's pretty big hit for for Bayern. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's only really a, that's the only other talking point I can think of from that game, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that the Sunday news obviously come out right after the game. Kerry Howe first to report, right from Sport Eins, friend of the podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, and it looks like at least the World Cup is not in danger. That would have been a shame. Um, mm-hmm. He's finally in good form and then he misses the World Cup. That would have been a real shame. But yeah, uh, he's going to be a huge loss for Bayern, I think, too, going forward. Because like, the, the big issue with Sadio Mane, for example, has been that he hasn't been in good form. Yes, he scored in this game, but he's just... <sighs> when do we start talking about the Premier League tax here, Stefan? <laughs> I think we are, I think we started talking about it immediately because we could have
0: talked about it, but yeah, it's 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 a weird game. Like if, if if he's going to go the whole season picking up goals in these kind of games where the, the the hard work is being done, then it's it's going to be a troubling, it's going to be troubling, it's going to be a troubling sell or a hard sell for Bayern fans, you know, unless he mm-hmm. can kind of turn it on. I mean, look, there's a whole season to play, and they, I mean, Bayern didn't advise Sadio Mane to kind of you know, knocking goals for fun of the Brunswick. So they bought him because they want him to help them win the Champions League. So that's ultimately what we'll base these things on. It'll be yeah. the last stages of the competition. But so far in these kind of tough Champions League games, the weird thing that I find in that regard is that he's been signed to help them get better in the Champions League. But in one game in particular, that Barcelona match, Julian Nagelsmann plays about of position as this kind of workhorse out in the wings. Yeah. Um, he ends up having a terrible game. Nagelsmann says, Look, it's not his fault. I played him in the wrong position. And it makes you wonder, well, what's the point of buying this guy for the Champions League if when these big crunch games do come along, you don't play him where he's supposed to play. So um yeah, it's it, I think the journey's still kinda of out, Sario His It seems mean to talk to to kind of talk about it from that point of view after he scored a goal, but and he seemed to have a lot of fun with the mascot after the game as well. So you can kind of see how, like, you can almost see, like, the relief on his face after the game, actually, from the way, you know, just even getting a goal helps him in that regard. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it goes, won't we?
1: Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, he still has to learn, um, to get used to the league and all that. It takes time, um, whether you go from Bundesliga to Premier League, Bundesliga to Serie A or the other way around or any of the other leagues. I think it always takes a little bit of time. Um, To acclimatize. Um, Let's talk about the other Super Sunday game. The one that has everyone talking, I think, around the world. And um, you had a brilliant exchange on Twitter, Stefan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Expected points and expected goals are wonderful stats. I think they're really important. And I think they give us a full picture. If you actually bother to look at the picture, which is either on the TV screen or in the stadium, because you cannot just take a stat, a naked stat, without ever watching the team actually play and make a judgment on the team, which is exactly what happened with Union Berlin, it seems, on Twitter. Um, yeah,
0: so we should we should provide some context here in terms of Union Berlin's statistics, shouldn't we? Like, yeah. I don't actually have them to hand, but basically the point is that after the game, I basically said, look, Union Berlin... They they actually boss Dortmund, uh, and in the first ten games of the season, they've beaten Dortmund, they've beaten Leipzig, and they've taken a point off Bayern Munich. And I was basically saying, look, they're the real deal. They are the real deal. They they absolutely boss games. Uh, they and I, I made a I made a minor point saying they aren't overperforming their XG. They aren't going to come crashing back down to earth. Uh, I mean, of course, they still good, but. As far as I see it right now, um, I don't think that's the case. And then I had a couple of guys who cover analytics and stuff uh, kind of jump in on that and saying, well, no, you're wrong, they are outperforming their XG. And, yeah, you know, we've basically had this... We've gone back and forth on this on Twitter a few times. I know Ronan Murphy, you, you and him were talking about this last week um, in terms of, you know, Union are quite low on the... The league table in general for the X for their XG. So anyone who doesn't who doesn't actually bother themselves with this stuff, which is perfectly understandable, uh, if you're not like a proper football nerd. But basically, XG is the numerical value for how many chances you create per game, and Union Berlin are basically like, bomb the table for that. And a lot of people were saying their XGs like half what their goal scored is, and a lot of people like yourself and I and Ronan have been saying, well, that's because in one game in particular against mm-hmm. Schalke, they scored six goals. And their xG was like one point one three or something. So that kind of skews yeah. it. If you kind of take if you take that game out of, out of uh, the context, their xG is like ten point three, and their goal scored is like twelve, which is totally fine. Now you could definitely argue that they're not scoring enough goals. But anyone who watches Union Berlin will know that they're obviously a defensive first side. They lock down teams. They make sure they don't concede, mm. and then they've got these two really great strikers up front who can happily, you know, chase long balls all day. And they've got a pretty good track record so far of scoring goals from them. So it it, it it bothered me because we're obviously having people comment who don't even watch the league. They yeah. don't follow the context of how these teams play. They look, at a, they look at a bar chart or they look at like a data set and say, well, Union Berlin are obviously being quite lucky this season. And I just don't think anyone would really argue that case, um, that they have been lucky. Yeah, they've had a few close scares. Mm. And through the nature of how they play, the score lines are always quite narrow, but they've they've been one of the best teams in Germany for about three or four years now in terms of how they play, and they've they've, they've been fantastic this season. And they've been thoroughly deserving to be top of the league. In fact, I think Nagelsmann and Christian Streit both said after their game on Sunday that Union Berlin deserve to be in first place.
1: If you have the most points of the match day ten, then you deserve to be in first place, and it's not just. You know, um, it's a four-point gap now. <laughs> We're not talking about a one-point gap or, you know, a way on goal differential. It's four points. That's quite a yeah. bit after match day 10. Um, that is a point. And it's a gap that could grow even further. Um, you know, I wouldn't be so shocked if they, they carry a gap like that or be even bigger into the World Cup break. Um, okay. Obviously, it's the Bundesliga. It could also completely flip on its head and turn out differently. But I think... It's really important to watch this, this team. And you, you pointed out they're two great strikers. I mean, um, there's been a wonderful stat that was posted um, about uh, Jordan, right? And as good as he is aff- offensively, a lot of his value actually comes from his defensive work. So you have two very, very good strikers. One of them actually, you know, doing really well based on what he does on, on the defensive side of the pitch. Um, being mm. in the upper percentile for for in in the top four leagues, I'm trying to find the stat. This is why I'm looking at mm. the other screen. I'm not answering tweets, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think that also like highlights quite a bit on why he here, here is here. Um, this. When you look at the pressure, for example, so he's in the top 63 percentile, he's in the top 91 percentile for tackles, uh, 91 for interception, 99 for blocks, 89 percentile for clearances, and 94 percentile for aerial duels won in the top five leagues in Europe. This is- Sorry,
0: is this, is, is this Jordan? That's is that Jordan or Becker?
1: Yeah, that's Jordan. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, this is, you know, they have these two great strikers, but one of those two great strikers this is not only just scoring goals, he's also an enormous enormous part of the defensive play, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, there's, there's, and there's, there's a few things here that we should just also add about New Berlin, which goes in their favour. Uh, number one, that's them now played arguably the three best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they played I know they played Leipzig when they were all down on their luck, but Leipzig have kind of rebounded under, under Rosa, I and mean, they're probably going to get better as they at least go on. Only and Berlin don't have to worry about that because they already played them. They played Bayern, they played Dortmund, and they don't have to worry about those three teams until after the winter break off. You uh, number two. Uh, well, this is kind of like a two and three are kind of the same point. But basically, there's actually there's actually a pretty solid chance that both of their star strikers won't be going to the World Cup. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, Becker's not going to go. Sebastian you might end up going for the US. You'll know more than I will, but from what I've read on Twitter, uh, it's an outside bet. Yeah. Um so and if you actually you could you can also make that a point for the most of their squad in general, actually. So we've kind of talked about this in the show already before this season, and I've talked about it on other shows I've been on in terms of like how well do you think Union Berlin could do this season? Like, well, unlike most seasons, Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Leverkusen will be coming back from our World Cup's winter break with injured players, tired players. Fatigue players at Union Berlin own. And another thing, actually just on the back of that, the piece I did uh, recently for the the newsletter, uh, and I was speaking to people at the club about, you know, what Urs Fischer does so well, one of the guys I spoke to went into so much detail about, and he actually ended up sending me like this, uh, a study that's been done on Union Berlin about this, Mm. how well Urs Fischer actually and his coaching staff they're actually like, worth they're, like, they're, they're division leaders in terms of how they rotate their squad. Yeah. And actually, if you, if you look at the amount of minutes that their players get compared to their rivals, it's much lower. So they've got a much better job of rotating their team, which is also vital mm-hmm. because they're such a kind of like heavy metal, full-on cool team. So, yeah, I think, I actually think if you're talking about going a distance, I think all the factors go in Unions' you know, favour in that regard.
1: Uh, what a story would that be? Um, it's interesting that you point out the the rotation aspect. Um, Jordan goes off with an injury in the second half. It looked like there's more muscle tweak. I mean, you, they run a ton, right? Um, they outran Dortmund by what? I had the number somewhere. It was 30 kilometers in the end. It was 30 more sprints, and it was about 50 more kilometers mm. run, which is just an incredible figure. Um, so... So they work hard and you don't know maybe jordan just picked up a little a little muscle strain from that but labeling comes on and they don't miss a beat which completely underlines yeah. what you've just said about their rotation and their ability to um you know sort of bring in players bring on players and um yeah make it work keep it working work and i think that's that is that is a huge strength of theirs and a huge strength that will continue probably through to and all the way up to the World Cup and then through the World Cup. And yeah, it's crazy. I didn't even think about what you just brought up with um them having already played all the big teams. I was gonna say I mean I mean it's the Bundesliga. Maybe someone small will beat them next. But um you know there is there's a good chance that but, until match day fifteen when yeah, they when the Bundesliga yeah, yeah. goes on break that they can win all five of those games. Um so yeah it's yeah. interesting. It's really interesting.
0: Talking about, uh, and then to transition onto a team that don't have anything going for them right now, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, are we bored yet of Borussia Dortmund and everything that's going oh. wrong there? I, I know you're so excited about it, you wrote yet another newsletter, so... <laughs> oh, do you know what? Uh, I was thinking about
0: what I'm going to write this newsletter on this week and I was like, it has to be Dortmund. It has, And I actually made a point in the newsletter <laughs> saying, look... This is the, I, I promise this is a different point from the one I made. So, basically, last week I wrote in my newsletter, look, this was obviously after the Bayern result, and the Sevilla win, I was like, look, things are looking up for Dortmund, but if you actually look at the underlying numbers, they're the exact same teams as their last year, same problems, same issues, and lo and behold, a really good team like Union Berlin pulled them apart. Sevilla, also in that return leg, in the Vespa and Starrion, almost pulled them apart as well. Mm. And... Do you know what? This game was an absolute car crash for Dortmund for so many reasons. Yep. Uh even if you just want to start with the lineup and the tactics that Terzic went with. If you look at that kind of so he's, he's kind of got this 3-5-2 formation, right? Um, mm-hmm. which is a terrible testament to how poorly Schlotterbeck started the season, that he felt that he had to play three central defenders in that regard. Uh, and then but then we've got Sula on one side, and then we've got Ralph uh, uh, not Ralph, Rafael Guillero on the, on the other flank. That, if you're playing a 3-5-2, it basically relies on your wing-backs to basically be world beaters. Those wing-backs have to dominate that end of the pitch because they're running up and down the pitch. They're your defensive unit, but they're also basically your entire outlet. Mm. And he's got Nicolas Tula and Guillero who aren't really who just didn't really do much throughout the match. Um, Adayemi, another poor game from him. <laughs> then he basically
1: awarded uh, you know Union Berlin their second goal. And...
0: I don't know. It was just it was just such a poor, poor game uh, in, in general for Dortmund, and I, I I just don't know where to go. <laughs> this is what I basically said after the game. I was like, I don't actually know where to go from here for Dortmund yeah. because it it, it it's, it's, a, it's, it's basically like a it's a two thing problem. You've got a coach there who tactically seems very kind of naive in my opinion, and. Um, and even though the players seem to love working with him and seem to get on with him really well, and we see Jude Bellingham running across the pitch to give him a hug after he scores, and, you know, Nicholas Shula came out after the Bayern game, yeah. saying that, you know, Nicholas Shula came out after the Bayern game, saying, oh, he gave us such a rousing speech in the dressing room, and that's how we were able to get, pull it back to get that draw. The problem is, practically, they're all over the place. And actually... If you go through every single player they signed this summer and just all the star players, nobody's actually performing that well. The only player I'd say has actually gotten slightly better this season is probably Mukuku, and that's probably just because he's actually getting game time. It's not it's probably not that he's actually improving. He's probably just getting a, finally getting a shot because obviously Sebastian Haller unfortunately is out right now, and Modeste has been terrible. So. I just struggle to give any kind of credit or pass marks to Terzic right now, but I don't know. Do you think I've been unfair,
1: or how do you look? No, at it? I I think it's fair. Um, I I I was probably in the camp that uh, wanted Terzic to work out, while also knowing that it's unlikely that it will because you need to be be more than you could you could see it at the 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 the, the second half or his first stint as well that. He made. He reached the Champions League. He won the Hall, right? But there was quite a lot of obvious stuff that didn't work out for them back then either. And this, <sighs> <it's, sighs> what you what you had with him then is what you were going to get this time. And I'm just not certain that um, just plugging in a guy because he's a Dortmund fan and a Dortmund person through and through. Will get you to the next level as a club and um, you know, close the gap to Bayern Munich, which is something that they talk about non stop when you're there. Um, And so, you, you, if they so let me put it that way if they thought Erdin Tejasic would turn out into Borussia Dortmund's version of Hansi Flick, that utterly fell short, and it already has. Hansi Flick had um, a resume. That including winning the World Cup as an assistant with Joachim Löw, where it was quite obvious that he was a lot of the reasons why Germany ended up winning the World Cup, right? Because he was doing mm. he was doing the work behind the scenes. If they thought Erden Tesis would be their version of Hansi Flick, then they should have probably looked at Hansi Flick's resume leading up to that appointment. And if they thought that what was that the short run of results that they had when he was briefly in charge. Would be a good sample size for what's going to happen when they put him fully in charge. That's also a mistake, right? So I think <clears throat> what, Borussia, what Borussia Dortmund need is a they need someone like Terzic, who's also a good football coach, and I think they also need someone who is just willing to give the side. A decent amount of structure, because I, I I am convinced that the pieces are all there. Um, what I'm not convinced with is that the pieces are being put together the right way. And look, no one would complain if they were four points behind the Bundesliga table, I think. Um, or you know, if they weren't like if they weren't the top four, I don't think what anyone would complain. But what they are like, what eighth now, right? they're averaging yeah. 1.6 points a game that's not enough to get to reach the top four at the end of the season and um, you're getting to a stage now where the goals that you set as a football club are in danger and I tweeted this can you imagine the scenes if Marco Rosa was in charge
0: yeah well do you know it's interesting you mentioned that point about their, their goals because I actually think this is why they're this problem in the first place and this is kind of the main topic of my newsletter this week in the sense that I think, they're actually, I think they're genuinely in this problem where they aren't out because they don't actually prioritise their footballing goals anymore yeah. and you know you look at that squad and I know what you mean there's, there's certainly enough there's certainly enough quality in that team to kind of um, to put together a team but you compare that to the team that Klopp had I think the common misconception that people had about Jürgen Klopp's Dortmund team is it wasn't a team full of stars it wasn't a team full of like attacking player players it was a team full of as we would say in the UK, grafters, you know, yeah. guys, people who, water carriers, guys who would, Jakob uh, you know, Kevin Grosskreutz, Marcel Schmelzer, Lukasz um, you know, and Sebastian Kell himself, you know, um, talking about these kind of guys, there's, there's not enough of those players in the team anymore. And I think that's because Dortmund as a sporting project have morphed into this kind of concept where they're only really interested in finding these Exciting young players that they can train up, polish up, wrap up in a nice bowl, and then sell off to the Premier League. And we've seen that time and time and yeah. time again. You know, something that really stood out to me, actually, for um, when I was doing this piece, I was looking back at the players they signed and sold. Them. See if you want to compare, like, you look at that Dorman team, right, and the kind of big stars who moved on, Mario Gotze, mm-hmm. Robert Lewandowski, also obviously moved on to Bayern. These guys moved on after winning the Bundesliga at Dortmund, winning the Pokal, and getting into a European Cup final at Dortmund. These guys, at the time, obviously, it was heartbreaking for Dortmund fans, but you can understand it from a sporting point of view, because like, they did everything they could at Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Compare that to Christian Pulisic and Usman Dembele. Dembele left the club when uh, after one season when they finished third, and... Christian Kulcic never got beyond the last 16 of a cup competition with Dortmund before leaving the club. These guys never achieved anything, but they still made Dortmund like 200 million euros in transfer fees. So if you're Dortmund and you're that board, you're thinking, well, we don't even have to actually succeed at anything to keep selling these guys. So I don't know. I kind of come to the conclusion in the newsletter that, you know, asking Dortmund fans, you know, do you honestly think the club, if the club's priorities are now, which one do you think is more important, winning the Bundesliga or selling Jude Bellingham for €150 million? Euros?
1: Yeah. so You know? So, and, selling Jude and, Bellingham is the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And,
0: and, and like, you know, there's. I mean, I think for Eins were saying this week, uh, today, that there's, there's no real risk to Eden he's in, he's in Terzic losing his job, and of course there isn't, because there's no risk to Jude Bellingham losing his market value. And until there is, they're not really going to care, are they?
1: Yeah, no. And it's funny too, because like Bellingham is getting hyped quite a bit by a lot of people and in many ways, rightfully so. But he hasn't scored in the Bundesliga since January. Mm. You know, he's, yeah. he's been really good in the Champions League. And it, it that's such a great symbol for Borussia Dortmund. They have all these great ballers, all these fantastic football players that don't mm. really, that, that seem to forget that you really have to do it in every match. You can't just do it against Sevilla or Real Madrid in the Champions League. Guess what? You have to also do it at the Alte Fuersterei in Berlin or at the Ruhr <clears> or the Ruhrstadion in uh, Bochum. You know, those are the places that actually fundamentally matter for this football club. And I feel that that has been somewhat forgotten in many ways. <clears throat> and that's also a huge difference to, Bayern, difference to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich may slip up in Madrid, right? But they mm. they get the job done uh, in Pilsen. They get the job done mm. in Bochum. They get the job done when no one counts on them on a Sunday night in against Freiburg, and that's a huge difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, without doubt. So I I, I I just I just I mean the, the interesting thing with Jude Bellingham is that I actually think his appeal amongst Dortmund fans is because he is that kind of player who gets stuck in. Because puts the hard work in. Mm. Yeah, he's not hes not actually scoring enough goals or creating enough assists, at least in these kind of day-to-day games. But the guy's obviously... I mean, it'll be really interesting to see if he has some proper burnout this season because he's hes just carrying so much expectation and, and responsibility mm. in this door, from this dormant side because um, there's just there's just not enough of those players in that team. And that's just the way I look at it. And even if you want to compare it to Bayern Munich, you can. You can even make the argument that Bayern do have those kind of Kevin gross players mm-hmm. because to extend Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coleman, uh, you know, those kind of guys, even though they are outstanding wingers and outstanding technical players in their own right, Serge Gnabry's value to Bayern Munich is that he, he does the hard work, you know. And I actually think Kingsley Coleman does the hard work really well for Bayern. Maybe, you know, maybe um, you could argue whether they're good enough attacking output. I think they're fine. But I think that's what makes them really useful players to Bayern in the long run and I just don't I just if you compare like say the way the Kingsley Coleman and Serge Gnabry track back to what Adiemi did in that game mm.
1: it's,
0: it's it's night and day it's night and day
1: yeah yeah um, and you have guys like a gimmick who treats every practice session like it's the uh, it's the storming of Berlin <laughs> <laughs> uh. it,
0: you you make that reference
1: i'm not making that reference um yeah i mean but it is true i've seen committed practice sessions and he treats it like it's it's an end of the world like it's like all or nothing matter every single time and you have a lot of guys at bayern munich like that and i think that makes a huge difference and yeah i mean yeah
0: Should we finish up in Stuttgart quickly? Yeah, we
1: should, um, because Stuttgart might actually do something interesting, which is um, they have narrowed down their coaching search to uh, Schröder, um, who some people know, of course, still from his time at Hoffenheim. Um, and he's currently in charge of Ajax Amsterdam, which makes you think it's probably going to be really difficult for him to get him um, because if Ajax is, is unless by sack yeah, but they also won seven one in the league this week, so not sure. Yeah, um, but the number one candidate uh, is yes Thorup, who was previously in charge of FC Copenhagen. He's Danish. Um, did really good, really good work in Belgium previously with. Ghent. Um, then he was briefly at Genk, where he was charged just for five games. And then Copenhagen came along and paid his exit clause. Um, and he did great work in Copenhagen as well. And he could be the next guy in Stuttgart. And I like this appointment because it's someone who we haven't had yet. <laughs> 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 I know I'm setting the bar very low here, but uh, it is it is a little bit outside of the box. I know Danish coaches is not uncommon in German football, but um, this is a guy who is not tainted by previously having worked in the Bundesliga and might actually offer something new. And yeah, an interesting resume as well. Um, so Jes Turop is the leading candidate at the moment and probably... I'd be fascinated to see how he would work out. Stuttgart, of course, won. <laughs> Manager bounce for 1 against Bochum. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, sometimes it's interesting how they, when you get Zach a coach and you get an immediate response, like last week, Bochum won on their first game against Frankfurt, a result that no one saw coming. Um, mm. Speaking of Frankfurt, Stefan, I think you're banned from watching Frankfurt games.
0: Oh, do you know what I am? A, I actually should be bad. I am actually going to bring this up during the Union Berlin discussion because Frankfurt, are one of the few teams I have beaten in the season, yeah. typically, you know. But I've, I've just, you know, I've given up on Frankfurt. I've completely given up on them. I, I love them. They're a great club, amazing fans. I'd love to support them, but nah. I just, I just, it's so infuriating. I can't do it.
1: Yeah, because you don't watch, and I watched this game and they went five one against Leverkusen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I've, I think I've watched I think I've watched three of their games from start to finish this season, and I think it's been their three defeats this year. Yeah. Um, and not even just defeats; they've been abjectly horrendous yeah. in each game. And then they show up the next week and be like the team that's the league or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, and um, you know, this is this is now that we've covered Stuttgart, Leverkusen is obviously an, another big topic, right? Um, Alonso, brutal. Um, I've been asked about this on Twitter, so this is why I'm bringing it up. But mm. that result to me shows me that there is a lot more going wrong in Leverkusen than we thought. Um, whatever, what I think the number one thing for Alonso obviously is he needs to get shit going again. Um, mm. Defensively, they're an absolute horrendous mess. But it's so brutal because he comes in. And he's hadn't had more than two days to actually work with them, right? Because of the schedule. And I was saying that this week is actually a big week for Leverkusen because they were knocked out of the Pokal by Elversberg. And this week is a Pokal week. So they actually he, this is the first time he has a good five days in a row where he can get some work done on this club. Um, so it's a big week coming up for him, I think. Um, but yeah, it's been brutal, I think. And I, fin- I think with Alonso too, I, I, this is my take on this. It's literally just rescuing the situation into the World Cup, and then having the time during the World Cup to to steady the ship.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's crucial. They're going to have to rebuild, and look, maybe that's the kind of saving grace and bringing a new head coach, and he can turn around and say, "We need to upgrade Herdecki. We have to upgrade to Jonathan Ta." There's issues in the squad that I can't fix myself, and yeah. this is kind of what we talked about at the time when they appointed uh, shabby Alonso. I kind of said, from what I've heard from people at the club, they were really, really, really um, trying their best to avoid sacking Gerardo Siona because they they genuinely didn't think he was the problem, mm. you know. And if he's not the problem, then the squad's the problem. And if the what if they keep losing, and the Lonzo can't turn things around, then all we can really do is kind of point to the um, all you can really do is just point to this
1: squad and say, "Look, we have to fix that." Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, maybe they should have sold Patrick Schick and Yabi for whatever money, um,
0: <laughs> whatever Newcastle were offering.
1: Yeah, hindsight is always twenty-twenty, <laughs> obviously. But um, you know, you want to take that. You want to you want to sell your if you buy a Leverkusen, you want to sell your assets when they're at a high point and not um, when when you know when they when they're at the low point and they gave both these players contracts, right? And that's always... um Some players play for contracts. I made this comment tongue-in-cheek about Thuram at Gladbach, right? Uh, because mm. uh, Kevin Hatchett, another friend of the podcast, pointed out that he's been excellent this year. And I'm like, I just retweeted it saying Whisper's contract year. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we talk about, well, we'll have to talk about him
0: at some point Yeah, Gladbach really been really interesting, but... I think we've probably run
1: over our yeah. this week. But <laughs> my point is rather that Leverkusen fell into the trap that they had assets that were really valuable and that's when they should have shipped them out. That, yeah. That's my point yeah. here, right? And like, I think Gladbach, um, obviously they they have no more control over this asset, which is a problem um but someone will pay him and then the question is is that going to work out for whoever pays him because he doesn't really have a good sample size than in years where his contract doesn't expire and you can can make a similar you can make a similar argument with Schick and Yabi in some ways um so it's interesting that some players only seem to perform when their financial future is at stake and um, that also, of course, says a little bit about recruitment at Leverkusen. So. Yeah, Oh, yeah. So there's
0: a lot of work to do, there's no doubt about it, but there's a long season ahead as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyhow, um, as you said, we're running over the allotted time of the show. Um, it's been great. It's curious how this all works out, video, audio, etc. Um, as always, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, I also want to once again thank uh, Get Sherman Football News, who have been really kind, posting and counting our predictions uh, every single week. Um, we'll do another prediction podcast um, later this week. I know your newsletter is out. Uh, by the time this is out, I think the newsletter will be out too, right, Stefan? On Dortmund. Um, yep. And... I would love to say that I already know what I'm writing my newsletter on, but I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> there will be one out on Thursday. Um, I promise um, there is one out on Freiburg and um, I think people liked it. So that's great. And yeah.